You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Remember, kids, whether it's now or in the future, smoking will always be hazardous to your health. And so will being sucked out into space, freezing to death, and shattering into a billion pieces. It's Monday night, it's 7 p.m., and you're with us. That can only mean it's time for Mission Log Live. Hello, I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Holly Amos. Tonight we are covering the antepenultimate, yes, that is a word, it means third to last, episode of Star Trek Picard Season (laughs) 3, Surrender. Will we finally be able to answer the burning question of the series, who or what is Jack Crusher? Or are we nervous that we only have two episodes left to wrap this all up? As always, you are a part of the show in the Facebook chat and live on the air with us. You know what to do. Just click on the Zoom link. Give us a ring by using your one tap on your smartphone or you can call us 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and password you see in the show notes. I apologize to Holly because I wrote that long uh, SAT word for her and she... Antepenultimate. It's, yeah. I didn't know it was a word, so I learned something, but I did have to have Google pronounce it for me, so I made sure that I said it correctly. Well, you said the word correctly, but the questions, those are big. We're going to get to those questions as soon as we check out what's going on in chat, because I'm pretty sure that chat's going to be lit up, because there's a lot of questions that may or may not be answered. I don't know, may or may not be answered before we're actually at the end of this series. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey, look, it's Bob Amos. Shocking. Hi, Dad. Very first poster. Uh, hello, Cosmo. Glad to have you here. Hello, Mark. Ryan. Ryan Bishop at Plume. Wow, that's that's a very elegant name. Uh, hello, Scott Palm. Hi, Dave Taylor. Hello, Paul. There's one Paul. Put Paul, the what did we... Uh, did you watch last week? Did I? Lo- yes. So uh, Paul three Pauls is a Paul Fecta. And then... But now we're calling them Paul Wraiths. <laughs> Paul Wraiths. I know. That was good. Uh, Paul. The, so four Pauls is a Paul Fecta. No, three Pauls is a Paul Fecta. Four Pauls is a Paul Nucorpia. Paul so, Nucorpia. God, we have so many names. I know. They should all be on a t-shirt. <laughs> Hello, Jane. <laughs> now let's see who else here. Captain Mike. Captain Mike's in the house. Hello, Heather. Scotty. Hello, Scott. Paul. Dubs. That's two Pauls. Let's see if we go for three. Are we going to get t- the turkey? I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, and Dom, Dom, good to see you. Uh, glad to have you here. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, and we're walking, and we're walking. Stargate fans know what I'm talking about. I'm sure another Paul will join us. So, all right. Um, drink check. What are we having tonight, Holly? I'm In, having uh, a very ch- a cheap Sauvignon Blanc. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's getting like hotter today's the first day that i thought about getting my air conditioner out <laughs> oh um i went grocery shopping today and was like i want something crisp and cold so i got a white which is not the norm i usually have red wine i am uh it's a little cold here in florida a little rainy so i'm having myself some herbal tea uh just to keep uh, the throat moist uh for the recap because it's, I tried to cut the the recap down, but there was a lot going on in this episode. I yeah. couldn't say like, and they flew this way. So anyway, uh, lots going on in Mission Log this week. You know, our coverage of Voyager continues this Thursday with Fair Trade, the one where, sadly for Janeway, it has nothing to do with ethically sourced coffee in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> you all can laugh right now. You better, or I don't know, I can't do anything. There's no way I can reach you from the screen. Uh, Holly, what else is going on across the Mission Log airwaves? Well, Mission Log the Orville and Mission Log Prodigy. Hey, did you know that both have shows available as podcasts and videos? So if you guys want to catch up on recent episodes like the Prodigy Review of the new book Supernova by our friend Rob Perlman, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com and click on the show of your choice. Uh, There you can find every audio feed as well as the YouTube channel for each show. Uh, that address is youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. And then you can make sure you stay in touch with all of our podcasts at podcast.roddenberry.com. So I'm scrolling through the uh, the chat, and then we see Paul Trotwine. So we do have our trifecta, our Paul Fecta, which makes me uh, so happy. So happy right now that I'm going to do the recap. So thanks, Holly, for the recap for uh, the Mission Log content. And now it's time for... Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. 
Vadik commands the Titan and holds the bridge crew hostage unless Jack Crusher surrenders. Pockets of resistance are scattered throughout the Titan. Jordy uncouples data from the computer because Lore's Matrix has already put the ship at risk. And hiding out in sickbay, Picard, the Crushers, and Sidney LaForge plan their next move as Jack flexes his powers briefly through experiencing the death of a crewman, confirms that Vatic truly is in charge. On the Shrike, while nursing Riker's wounds, Deanna tells Will that a changeling did in fact impersonate him, but she knew that they were imposters. Will believes he had no choice but to surrender the Titan's prefix codes to Vatic to stop Deanna from suffering any further. Riker is also convinced that right now, Picard has Vatic right where he wants her. Back on the Titan, Captain Shaw blames Commander Hansen, that's seven of nine to you, Shaw, for not destroying the turbolift earlier, allowing Vatic to take the bridge. In sickbay, Jack Crusher confesses that his powers afford him a degree of mind control over the others, as confirmed by Sidney, and that he might have a way to retake the bridge remotely. In Murrah's mind, Jack uses him to access an adjacent control panel. Vatic stops Murrah just short of succeeding and in turn demonstrates that she will not be trifled with and forces the bridge crew to suffer a perverse game of roulette, ending with the vaporization of Lieutenant Tavine. Back on the Shrike, Will and Deanna come to terms with their recent estrangement. Will is still hurt that Deanna tried to numb his pain over both of them losing their son Thaddeus, a pain that Riker needed to feel and wasn't Troy's to take from him with her empathic abilities. After some conversational healing and an agreement to finally leave their retro prairie hipster lifestyle on Nepenthe, a changeling guard comes for them but is instantly slain by Worf, who not only has come to rescue them via a cloaked shuttle nearby, but is awkwardly and overtly sentimental at seeing Deanna again after so many years apart. In sickbay, Jack believes their only option is surrender, unless, as Sidney points out, there's an AI matrix on board capable of trillions of operations a second. Wait a minute. Later in the computer room, Picard convinces Geordi that the only chance they have is to integrate data and lore so that data can hack the Titan and regain control of the ship. Jordy warns all about the danger this poses to Data, as Lore may emerge as the victorious personality. It will also take time, something that Jack gives Jordy as he surrenders himself to Vatic, but on his own terms, as he presents and grips tightly onto some type of explosive device. It may not kill her, but will most certainly kill him. Vatic counters by offering him answers to his hallucinations, answers behind the red door. Vatic then orders the Titan's crew to be safely secured in the conference room, but Seven refuses to leave. In their shared mind's eye, Lore demonstrates that he's the stronger of the two. Data surrenders all of his memories to Lore because his brother never experienced what made Data human, especially his cat Spot. However, Data's sacrifices were a ruse, a Trojan horse to infiltrate Lore's matrix. And as the saying goes, in the end, there can be only one. With Data fully in control of his positronic matrix, he easily slices into the Titan systems and regains control of the ship. Jack suddenly activates his device. It's a force field that surrounds both himself and Seven. Picard then orders to blow the bridge evacuation hatch, sucking Vatic and her henchmen out into space, where they freeze solid, drift into the path of the Shrike, and shatter into hundreds of tiny pieces. And shortly after, the Shrike itself suffers the same fate as Seven orders the Titan to fire everything they've got at the once-nigh-unstoppable juggernaut. Worf and Raffi clean up the remaining changeling stragglers, while Jordi and Data reaffirm how constant their friendship is and always has been. And finally, the former crew of the USS Enterprises D, E, and F reunite for the first time in decades and gather around the Titans' conference table to figure out their next move. Federation Day is hours away, and they are no closer to discovering the changeling's master plan. Troy believes that there is a darkness on the ship, that may be related to Jack Crusher, and during their counseling session, Deanna persuades Jack to open the red door and find the answers they are all searching for. The end. And go, chat. <laughs> and go, Holly. <laughs> ah, I so, just... Deep breath, Holly. Deep breath, deep exhale, exhale deep inhale. I didn't hate this episode. When I, th- so I, wa- I always watch them twice. And the first time I watched it, I'm at the end and I'm like, can we just get to the point? Do you think that uh, we are maybe a, a Starship bridge too far? 
you know, with maybe an episode. <laughs> I know I'm full of them tonight. I, mean, I um, understand. So I saw my parents yesterday because my dad's birthday was earlier this week and it was a holiday. So I went out to see my parents and my mom's like, well, they have to have a reason to have people keep coming back. They have to keep you in suspense. Sure. But we're yeah. speaking in like Vatic has been speaking in riddles this whole time about what Jack is. Just come out. And now she can't come out with it because they killed her. Did they? Just tell us. I think the issue with Jack is that there's a way of telling the story and keeping your audience in suspense with more than just the same tease every single time you show that you're making progress with a character's development. It's literally like he's maybe two steps closer to the door and one or two more branches that are branching out into the hallway. That's it. Like there's no more than that, you know? Well, maybe his red eyes, but you know, that's okay. Here's the thing about the red eyes though. I'm that I think, I don't think the other characters are saying that. I think that's for audience purposes only because yeah. Yeah. Sydney, sees him is looking right at him when his eyes turn red in sick bay and all she says is like, what are you in her doing? head What's is doing? what is he doing right like Instead if of, i saw oh somebody's God, eyes turning eyes red <laughs> i would be like holy crap like this is her inner thoughts too that we're seeing so or hearing so I, that's for our purposes only which i i mean i would assume that you could you could see the red eyes in paul wraith so i feel like that's not what's happening anymore. I mean, I have a lot of different theories, but nothing exactly matches up. So I hope that it's something new, actually, given that fact. But I don't know. I hope we'll find out. I'm getting to. I mean, I try not to spend too much time on social media reading comments because, you know, it influences. uh, I don't want to influence, you know, my opinions, you know, coming onto this show. But the one thing that's been constant um, from different platforms, you know, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or even our Discord on on Mission Log Patreon, there seems to be a lot of consternation about the smoking. A lot. Really? As if, yeah. So I know that Vatic smokes and people are like, that, that makes no sense to me because why would Changeling smoke? You know, they don't have lungs to breathe in air, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, like, they do. Okay. They do now. I guess so. You know, I, she you know, like, I has, know certain... she can mimic lungs. That's what the whole evolution of them was. It's a weird like level of um, pedantry going on with the smoking, but well, it's very like, remember, like, it's very like twirling of a mustache villain, villainry. Like only the back. Well, then there's Rios, you know, there's Rios and Rafi. They were smoking in seasons one and two. So, you know, there it's, and it seems like, is this the only series so far, the new series that characters are smoking? Do they? I don't think they smoke in Strange New Worlds or in Discovery. No. So this is no. The I think the last time we saw smoking, Prodigy. No, I think the last time. Yeah, no, I think the last time we saw smoking was in the films. Marta in six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she was a cameloid, so changelings are smokers. I guess so. Changelings <laughs> <laughs> are smokers. I don't know. Um. <laughs> All right. So I, I, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to, I have a lot of notes. I know you have a lot of notes and uh, usually I reserve kind of like the last few moments of the shows for us to, to get to our notes because we have a lot of callers and why wouldn't we? Because there's a lot to talk about. So would you mind foregoing yeah. some of the notes time and jumping right into the callers? Cause Let, I think Brandon's know, kind of easy. Let's go to Brandon B. He's in, he's in middle earth. I love that tapestry, man. Seriously. Oh my God. I love it too. It's, so it's- good. It's really great. We've been able to put some more stuff up, so I've got the good captain behind me as well. Hey, um, there you go. Watching me at work all day, that's a little actually intimidating. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking through this episode, well, really just at the end of the episode, I was thinking, given that taking over a Federation starship is about as difficult as stealing a Kia, um, it's <laughs> probably safe to have a door directly to space right on the bridge, right? Like, that's probably... Never going to yeah, get that these... for anybody. <laughs> just in case. You know, just in just, case. Just, just, yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, okay, so there are on occasion where, I mean, say if you flew a Klingon ship into San Francisco Bay, you, you know, you blow the bridge hatch and you can get out safely. So fair. it's not unwarranted, right? <laughs> that's, a fair, that's a fair point. Um, you know, I was 
was less about that. And the second time I watched it, when there's an announcement that somebody's like turbo left active, and then the guy says in his whatever his clicky language is, the changeling is like somebody's on the turbo lift. I'm like, have we been announcing the whole time that somebody's on the oh, turbo that was, lift? It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, remember yeah. that ever being a thing. Uh no. no. It's it's only a thing when it needs to be, right? It's that's how it works, I guess. Maybe we're we were talking about early, yeah, like earlier on, we we're talking about data in contractions because, you know, he was using contractions now at the end of this episode. And we were wondering when that first started. And then, uh, you know, our beloved Earl, the Duke of the Green Room, you know, he said, well, that started when writers needed to make it a thing. Yeah. So, and hey, lore. That's exactly that's how you load canon. That's how you load the canon for canon. You know, but in data lore, he doesn't it, it's not it's. It doesn't say that he like can't use a contract can't ha, use contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically just says that like he speak he uses his language formally. I think is what he says. Right, right, proper. And he uses contract. I mean, he uh, in very very early episodes, which is obviously before they really like got their characterization together. Uh, you know, he uses it in several really, really, the naked now he, he uses it a couple of times and, and he does use it in the last episode too, uh, the finale, but that's a separate timeline. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to focus on when it's, when it's not totally been canon. Now, Brandon, you had kind of a you know, you had an eagle eye uh, listening to your comments from the last episode with uh, Holly and John and, uh, how have things have things developed for the better in this last episode than say your response or your reactions from the last episode? Or are you waiting for this entire thing to wrap up because the wave is being parsed out? Well, I think uh, I think there's a couple things to that. I, there's this episode did not make me like I was um, I was unhappy with the message of the last episode. As you heard this one, I, a- after we finished watching it, I said, you know, OK, that was not um, that was fun to watch. That was that was fine to watch. There wasn't a like really awful, like singular message in there that made me go just. Ugh. Um, I do really agree with what Holly was saying uh, a minute ago, where we're getting a little too teased about Jack. Um, we're on episode eight. You don't have to convince me to stay. I'm here. Like I'm, I'm yeah. going to watch the next two episodes. Right? Don't worry. And um, some of some of the weird, like the teases, the te- let's the teases are mostly coming from Vatic, and some of the stuff that she has said to him, she calls him baby boy when he walks onto the bridge. Which weirds me out so much. And I'm sure that like once we know what what he is or who he is or what's going on, that it'll make sense. But I was like, that's a very intimate thing to call somebody. Yeah, it's and weird. It's weird now. I'm sure it won't be weird once we figure out what he is. But I'm like, can we just tell us who he or what he is? Why are you calling him baby boy? That's wild. (laughs) As, as long as it pays off, like in the end, as long as that reference or all the references or all the, you know, uh, innuendos or intonations, all of that stuff has to have a payoff. If it's not, then it's just, you know, writers getting paid by the word. I mean, seriously, like all they're doing is padding their script with no payoff. And that's just, you know, again, it's kind of like patting themselves on the back for being clever, like me writing anti penultimate in your copy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Anti penultimate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a reason why I did that to, to illustrate the point of you got to have a payoff, you know, for these larger words. I'm making all of this up, actually. <laughs> it was so, convincing. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's what I do. I'm supposed to be convincing on the microphone. Um, we have a few more callers lined up, Brandon. So any any final thoughts before I let you go? Yeah, I mean, I will say that I did really like the scene with Data and Laura. That felt very classic Data to me and sort of showed the, you know, he doesn't just have intelligence. He has wisdom. He's clever, not just smart. And I, I really loved that. So I, and I wanted to contribute some positivity because I know I've been kind of. Did you understand what, what data was doing? Um, yeah, I thought that we had something like that going on, especially as we stopped seeing Lore just dissolve them and he started keeping them. I was like, mm-hmm. this is on purpose. I don't believe that data is actually surrendering. I think they just figured something out yeah. here. Like, I got a little concerned when he starts to flicker, when data started to flicker, and then he got, like, visibly concerned about his own well-being. Like, what's what's happening? But as soon as he started, like, 
actively giving his memories to Laura. I was like, oh, if you yeah. give your memories to somebody, and these are both positronic brains, it's not just I'm sharing a story of my experience, which is what humans do. This is literally like giving him a computer program of a memory. I was like, he's not going to be Laura anymore. He's going to be Data. I see yeah. what you're doing. And I yeah. literally said out loud, I was like, oh, Data's smart. I'm surprised that Lore didn't understand what he was doing, though. I, I, mean, I think he was just literally too caught up in in this the the victory of it all. Like, you know, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna win. You know, I don't. It doesn't matter how because I'm going to, and I'm not. Oh, I got Trojan horsed literally by my own brother. You know, thanks, thanks for this stupid trophy thing with this woman. Ugh. Who needs that? Who needs a cat? Oh, Tasha. I know. I I did. I did. I mean, Easter, like those are good Easter eggs, right? Those Easter eggs, most fans of the next generation were like, okay, you got me on that one. Yeah. Not so much like the the pipe or the deck of cards. Oh, no, that all made me emotional. The the Sherlock Holmes stuff made me emotional too, but that's because I love Sherlock Holmes. Gotcha. No, I I like those Easter eggs. They were, again, they were well-timed, well-placed. And yeah, uh, Brent is just a, he's just a great actress. It's just fun watching him act, you know. Yeah. You know, you can, you can he can he can act the hell out of a phone book, really, if he wanted to. Um thanks Brandon. Appreciate Thank you, you guys. Uh, calling. Oh, my and pleasure. Uh, hopefully um hopefully you, uh, you'll be able to get uh, what you need to get out of this series in the next two episodes, the penultimate and then the final episode. Just to I, use the big words. I hope so. And also I'm, not just it's not just the season finale, it's the series finale. It's got to be I want to be wowed. I want to be wowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's high, high, high requirements, I guess. I don't want to say expectations, but I think, you know, I don't know what the right expression is. We will see. We will see. Fingers crossed, you know, hope for the best, you know, let's uh, reach for the stars as they say in the biz. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you next time. Uh, Before we get to Cosmo, I would just bring you a couple of, um, comments in the chat so dave takechi says have we ever proven that changelings are destroyed when frozen i'm not sure that we have therefore can be thawed mixed back and live on kind of like a t-1000 you know like the terminator and terminator 2 but you know, she got didn't, shattered into a i mean maybe but she was she was in like a she she was i i feel like maybe you could do that if they were like in their bucket and they were in their goo goo but she yeah. was in a in a form. Yeah, changelings are weird, right? Because the whole um, from one many, from many one, like no one ever really said like how much mass a changeling has to have in order to be a changeling, right? Right. You should be able to be a changeling from a shot glass, you know, to uh, you know, ten gallon bucket. You know, obviously they're going to be different sizes because of mass is different, but. I don't know. Never really said like, oh, you need this much changeling mass. The the meat milkshake needs to be this much so that you can have lungs and brains and hearts and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's ever been documented. No. But I thought that was an interesting observation. Paul Wright says, uh, let's see. It makes sense he can use contractions now since he's integrated Lore's abilities like his emotions. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like what we're talking about. Yeah, and Lol could use um, contractions in the offspring, and th- they had a whole conversation in that about how, like, oh, you, you've uh, ad- advanced beyond what I've what I'm able to do. But, uh, so, and then Jane says here, Lore things. was con- Lore was consumed by his power and winning, which was a distraction, obviously, not to see yeah. what Data's end game was. Also, Data is a hell of a poker player, so he was poker faced. You know, pu- 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 he well, I mean, I he time. looked genuinely concerned at first. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, he learned from the best. Yeah, he was taught by Riker, the human <laughs> that outbluffed the android. Right. Yeah. All right, let's get our next caller in here. Let's get he's, Cosmo he's up in to the bat. snow. You look. I am. I'm up in uh, Lake Tahoe. Oh, oh. yeah. There's the so much snow up there right now. Yeah, it's pretty intense, and I'm not a snow person. Uh, I don't know if everybody realizes I'm six foot nine, and so my size 17 feet, I can't just go and rent snow boots. So I'm sloshing around out here in my tennis shoes, and it's challenging. But yeah, pretty. It's pretty uh, to look, look like, at. I don't look like, like operating in the snow. You're in the snow, but you're wearing a tank top? 
Yeah, absolutely. Is it? Nice. That's I, that's what I'm talking about. It's in about. the 40s. I, I can handle it. You know. Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, so absolutely agree about the Jack thing, especially when you end the previous episode with Jack. I think it's time you finally learn who you really are. Yeah. And, then, and we're like, that, great, we're going to figure it out. And then it's another. Yeah, that, that frustrated me. Um, overall, I've really appreciated the pacing this season, though, uh, minus the Jack thing, especially compared to like some of the big story arc stuff from other modern Trek series where it takes forever get, to get to the mystery box. And the fact that uh, um, I really liked that they didn't show us Troy and Riker getting tortured. I, I missed them last episode yeah. and yeah. they were gone, but... I was totally cool with them getting to the reconciliation right there and cutting the fat off. And uh, I liked that. Um, I liked that conversation, but timing wise, would, if you thought, I, I feel like they, I, they had to have a lot of confidence that they were going to get rescued and they weren't going to die to be having a conversation about where they were going to live in the future. But doesn't that feel like classic nineties era Trek? Like the consequences are dire, but not that dire. Right. Where are we going to live? I hate Nepenthe. <laughs> like, oh, well, that we, seems weird. We're in a cell. We're, very, we're, we're, you know. very Riker-ish. It, and, I mean, yeah. it is. And I, I really, I was nervous about Brent Spiner and the data stuff, uh, but it, it works for me. And close my eyes and just listen to his voice. And he, he is data. It's like it's 1993 all over again. Mm, uh, totally. Spiner is fantastic. And I appreciate that. Jordy got so much significant time with Data because it bothered me in season one of Picard that Data and Picard were best friends and they had a good relationship, but Jordy was always Data's best friend. And the fact that, you know, uh, Picard had to put uh, virtual Data down and Jordy never really got a true goodbye from Nemesis. It was really great to see those two reconnect. And Lavar's doing a fantastic job with even just his facial reactions are heartbreaking because for the split second that we think that lore won the look on Jordy's face is awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I know LeVar is enjoying not having the, the visor on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always thought that the data and Picard relationship from Picard, again, kind of like nemesis was playing to the strengths of their two most powerful marketing icons, you know, of the cast, you know, I hate to say it, trivially that way but it's kind of true right you know both of them rose to prominence i mean look at the poster for first contact who are the two biggest faces that you see right? you know in, in subsequent posters so you get the guys on the posters turn them into the guys that are going to sell your series and hopefully you know get a lot of viewers and and subscriptions you know for paramount plus but that all being said i really yeah i i did like lavar and and brent almost kind of like finding that finding their character beats again, you know, as actors together and finding what made their relationship special and different at the same time, because they're not quite the same kind of clockwork timing that they used to have because they're not the same people. And they've obviously been separated by time. So that plays very well into the way that their characters are portrayed. But at the same time though, they do know what makes them click. And it's, it is nice to see it's that the, you know, it's, it's like uh, if they did, say, a Deep Space Nine series, but you would have, like, not Bashir and O'Brien as the main power couple of the series. Right. You know, it would be like <laughs> Bashir and somebody else. You know, it would be somebody else because it's always Bashir and O'Brien, right? Always. Or maybe it's Bashir and Garrett, but it's most of the time it's Bashir and O'Brien. So it would be kind of weird that way. Um, but... <laughs> Um, Cosmo, how are you feeling going into the last two episodes of the Next Generation's series forever, supposedly? A a little bit of anxiety because I have enjoyed the seasons as much as I have. And the fact that we just got everybody back together at the end of episode eight. So it's like... I'm going to relish every second of it. And, but I, I do feel a little anxious because we know it's probably the end for most of them. And, um, they couldn't have really sped too much up though. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't want it to end. I wouldn't mind, uh, it going on a little bit longer. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of, uh, GIF abuse of David Tent as the doctor. It's like, I don't want to go like that whole, <laughs> 
sentiment, right? Because no, we don't want to see that. We don't, no one wants to see these characters go. But I think that at, at some point in time, you have to let them go, right? You know, make room for the other series casts and have let them have their turn in the nostalgic sun, so to speak. And um, the next next generation, because now everybody has kids. That's true. Yeah. But like Holly said, I want to be wowed. And if they pull off these last two episodes, uh, then it will be a sending fit, a fitting send off for this crew. And I mean, I really love seeing Riker back and Worf has been a pleasure every second he's been on screen. Uh, one other little thing that doesn't sit right with me is the whole Federation day, all the ships in one solar system thing. It doesn't seem very Starfleet. I mean, it could be orchestrated <laughs> by the changeling, but I, I can really see starfleet having a, a russia style like military parade with all their starships um so that that just seems i wish they would have figured out a slightly different uh MacGuffin type thing it's also like pearl oh. harbor though right like pearl harbor right. they grouped all their ships together in the harbor to protect them but that made them easier to bomb like so many warp cores and so close together yeah. what could possibly go wrong yeah <laughs> say hi Hi. Hey, buddy. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys, and I uh, can't wait for the last two episodes. Thanks, Cosmo. Thank you. Yeah, we can't wait to hear from Bye. you. Hopefully, you'll call in. You'll let us sure. know. Uh, we are at the uh, bottom half of the hour, so before we get to Alan, we're going to do a little housekeeping here and thank the sponsors who sponsor us, and that this week would be Star Trek Wines. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason why I asked you uh, what was in your glass for this show, it Holly, is, and that doesn't necessarily not... mean no, but... You have had Star Trek wines in the past. You I did. Have... I had the I had the red because that's what I usually I usually drink. I had the the uh, the twenty two twenty one. I I drank it all. It's all gone. <laughs> the Chateau Picard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Chateau did. Picard. I don't yeah. have the white wine one. They do have a white wine one, and I don't have it because I usually don't drink. I don't know what came over me today. I just wanted something cold. <laughs> Well, you I mean you know that that Star Trek wines has more than just Chateau Picard. I mean, we've yeah, seen like they different do. They have a, different they have a white wine. They have a rosé. They mm-hmm. have uh, they have nice crisp cold ones too. Yeah, and now I'm going to I'm, I'm going to get them now because apparently I'm drinking white wine. I don't know what's happening to me. There they are. It's a summer wine, right? Yeah, they're, and they're gorgeous rising bottles, right? They're yes, they're yeah, they're incredible. And the best thing about, you know, when you're collecting Star Trek wines, you know, not only do you get great wines and you have, you know, the, the reds and the Chateau Picards, then you have some of them in their incredibly screen accurate, like collector's bottles, like in the, in the Cardassian Canar bottle, you actually have this wonderful red blend. Uh, you have a very thematic Klingon blood wine bottle complete with a, a, a wonderfully um, deep red wax topping on it so that it has just, I know that's probably not very Klingon-esque, but it's, it's good enough, yeah. I guess, as a representation. But the actual wine itself is a uh, is fantastic. For I know that uh, Jean Champion, Jean Champion, he just became Jean, Jean Champion, Jean you know, Champion. He loves it with his his charcuterie boards. Char- so yeah. he loves, uh, yeah, you know, he's he's uh, paired those uh, many uh, on many occasion here, uh, talking about Star Trek wines. I-, I think the great thing about these products. As you can see on screen, you know, in Earl's marketing package here is that you see these screen accurate bottles that you can keep and put on your bar. You can keep in your collection. You can refill them if you want to after you've had the product that Star Trek Wines has painstakingly made. Yeah, 100% there are not Star Trek fans that are going to be throwing that those away. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, of course, you know, we've mentioned before that you have these different vintages that they offer for Chateau Picard. You have the 2221 and this Hollywood you're talking about that, the mm-hmm. 2386. And then of course the incredibly collectible 2401. That's the, that's the one with the metal label and the faux wax topper. Uh, it's a silicone mm-hmm. topper that you can reuse so you can reseal your bottle. Uh, I actually have to probably make a new order because it's summertime or it's getting to be summertime here in Florida. So I definitely need uh, some of the lighter wines, some of the mm. white wines, and yeah. obviously and the, the rosé bottles. Get the rosé. Look at how and pretty the it is. I'm not a big rosé fan, but I might be turned on to it just because of the bottle. See? Do it for and the experience. The Star Trek experience. <laughs> yes. And I will. <laughs> <laughs> so visit StarTrekWines.com today for limited edition Chateau Picard, Klingon Blood Wine, Canar, and many more. Use our special code Roddenberry at Star Trek Wines for an exclusive United Federation of Planets medallion for free. Now remember, you have to put the medallion in your cart. 
And then you use the Star Trek Roddenberry code to have that um, translated as a free item in your cart. So Ah. please do that and support our sponsors. And thank you, Star Trek Wines. So back to the show, we have Alan uh, in the old green room. And uh, how are you feeling now, Alan? We're in episode eight. Uh, I know that <laughs> it is wait, episode eight. Antipenultimate. 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 Yeah. Right. Uh, how are you feeling? Like I feel like okay. It's like well, Jory asking Dave. It's like how do you feel? I feel I, that was a line. That was uh, a good line. Okay, go. I I feel fine. Tell my mother <laughs> okay. I feel fine. That's where I was. Um, getting, I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's what I got out of that scene. So you're right. Yeah. I I think. Um, Holly, I, I, I think I'm on the same take as you where my feeling is mostly it was good. Didn't hate it. The Jack Crusher thing is, is a problem, uh, to the point where I put my thoughts to song. Oh, great. Oh God. So are you uh, a bard? You're a bard. Yes. (laughs) As... The as the previous times that I've sung on the show, parody, parody, Ba-da-bing. parody, fair use, fair use, Ba-da-bing. meant for commentary, meant for meant for uh, educational purposes. Here we go, my Rick Dalton impression for tonight. Oh my, Star Trek! One more plot point not leaking. Watching early morning, I'm freaking. Red door. Can we know without peeking? Here's our friend Deanna Sensen's feelings not behind the red door. Don't know where it's heading, but they talk a lot behind the red door. Wish they'd clue me in so I can find the plot behind the red door. Jack asks with a beady-eyed red stare. <laughs> John Luke Easy, maybe not mon pair. <laughs> if so, do I get to keep my hair? Saw a face come down inside a meaty cloud outside the red door. When I said Rose sent me, someone laughed out loud behind the red door. All I want to do is see the story shrouded by the red door. Ta-da! <laughs> Everyone in chat, you better be using the applause emoji. Like uh, I see right a lot now. of heart emojis. Oh, <laughs> come on now, come on. Thank now. you, thank Good. you, everyone. So you're you're saying that this episode <laughs> literally moved you to song. It did. It did. I'm, yeah. The the is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not sure. Well, right now. Uh, let's call that the silver lining. <laughs> ah, okay. um, all right. I. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I guess I, I, I so was like, I'm tired of the the subterfuge and the teasing and the the coyness of it all. Multiple honestly, cliffhangers of the same thing. Like, yep. I'm fine with a cliffhanger, but we've gotten several cliffhangers and it's literally always who or what is Jack. Yep. In fact, I, it, it dawned on me this week. It reminds me of when I finally got sick of the others on Lost. <laughs> right <laughs> where yeah uh, they got to season season seven there and we we got to the the parts of the island that we never thought we'd get to and who are there the freaking others <laughs> <laughs> and they take them hostage just like they always did and tell them they're not ready to know things like they always did and uh i, I was over <laughs> i was done with that so yeah, that's that's kind of what it was. I but- mean, I feel like I feel like so that I feel like it can do the opposite, though. Right. Like I had I said earlier that when I was talking to my my parents about this yesterday, that my mom was like, well, there has to be they have to have like a reason for you to come back. But at some point, like if there's too many cliffhangers, it's going to be like, I give up. And like you stopped watching Lost as a result of that. Yeah. Well, Brandon well, made a good yeah. point earlier. He says, I'm already here. It's episode eight. You already yeah. got yeah. it. You probably had me by episode three or four. So. And it's not like a 26 yeah. episode season from when, when you know, the next generation. It's 10 episodes. If I'm at, se- if I, if I'm at episode eight, I- I'm going to watch through episode 10. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and at that point, they're no longer, it's no longer a tease for the characters. It's a tease 
that's directed at the audience. And I think I've, you can feel the difference. Um, so yeah, and it's and it's not like I gave up on Lost. I'm not going to give up on Picard either. But I'm just like, come on, somebody Let's- in the oh, somebody Brett in the chat is like, Alan just spoiled Lost for me. <laughs> oh no, no, the, I, spoiler I, alert! I have not come close to spoiling Lost. <laughs> There's it's a actually whole, saved you a lot of time. There's a whole other alley that we can go down for that. But uh, but yeah, I overall. All the good there was there was good stuff here. Loved the Rikers, loved Data and Lore and everything that happened. And I sort of started to to key in on what was happening about this about the Tasha Yar statue. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I think maybe I was expecting it to be more of a merging of the the Lore and, and Data personalities rather than just data him you know data himself coming back but i get why they did that too i mean it's it's you you want data at the end of the day uh the character the the other characters aren't going to be nearly as excited if he's talking like lore yeah (laughs) Yeah. did anybody has anybody noticed that deanna as a character is a lot more like marina than she ever has been. She's very huggy. Well, she's also very blunt. And I yeah, don't feel like Deanna yeah. was that blunt when she was younger. Not until she got drunk in uh, the past. <laughs> that, was, that was the turning right. point. <laughs> I mean, Zephyr I... Cochran I really changed her personality. <laughs> yeah. I love Marina. She's yelled at me and I've been like, it's been my honor, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so but, I, 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 don't, I don't hate it. Maybe she's just, maybe she's at that point, both for like Troy and for Marina, where it's like, I don't really need to act the part anymore. You know, there's there's not that much more acting I can give to the Deanna Troy character that's going to make her a completely elevated character. And I mean, the same thing with like, Bev was different. Like, this is a hardcore, different, you know, bitter, a little bit more guarded, a little bit less, you know, uh, Dr. Crusher Bev. A little less conversation, a little more action. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, see? Right? I mean, she's um, very she's she's a lot more mama bear than she ever has been. But I yep. think that's obviously because she's how would you classify Will? Like, because it's been classified as like she lost a son. She didn't. He's still out there. Yeah, um, that's that's a weird that's a weird space to get into in terms of how they're handling that this 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 season. What exactly, if anything, they're going to resolve there? I get the I kind of get the feeling that he's off the show entirely, which is fine. But yeah, it's 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 strange to think about. But I mean, she doesn't get to see him, and so it was used as yeah. a jab earlier in the season. Like, oh, well, yeah. how do you feel about losing another son? And I'm like, well, he's still alive, but he's just different. I mean, yeah, which, I, but obviously, the the whole like not having contact with your child, like it, that changed her as a parent and as a person. And then having Jack change and whatever's going on with him, and she's feeling very mama, very protective, and like yeah. I, yep. her character is has evolved fantastically given all of those circumstances that brings up a good point though because whatever jack crusher is i'm wondering if that may or may not have had anything to do with beverly being manipulated in some way and her not knowing it either right i mean we briefly talked about that last week because in both of the last two episodes there there's been comments from from vatic that make me like the baby boy comment i'm like what have you known him since he was a baby like what oh the other comment was he's not for you and beverly's like what the hell does that mean yeah (laughs) was she like impregnated on purpose like without her knowledge, Ugh. but she still had relations with Picard to think that it was like a regular, pre- like, I have no idea what's going on. I have a lot of questions so, and I hope they answer them and stop giving us red door. <laughs> see, that's, yeah, that's where a lot of those details, if they don't get payoffs when people rewatch it, you know, in its entirety, they're like, well, that was a, you know, that's a thread that went nowhere. Time management obviously is going to be an issue when people rewatch this because like you just, 
you take all of this, all of the efforts that you did into setting this up with no payoff, you could have just spent it somewhere else. Now, I know that that's easy to say when you're armchair, armchair quarterbacking a show and say like, oh, Terry Metalis and his team, they didn't, didn't realize it is. Well, I'm, I'm no showrunner, right? Yeah, but exactly. You, here's the thing is showrunners and especially someone like Terry Metalis, who is such a big fan, he should know that his audience is smart, right? They will find these things and they will isolate these things in conversation because they're smart. And he would do the same thing if he yeah. was subject to watching this as an audience member. I mean, so listen, kind of like, yeah. Trekkies be Trekkies, man. <laughs> and every right? one of those little won. things, that's, yeah. that's another theory that jumps off the cliff. <laughs> right. That's another lemming uh, just taking the, <laughs> taking the nosedive. <laughs> well, uh, unless you can serenade us one more time. I oh, got, no. I have <laughs> one last thing for you. <laughs> one you only wrote one song for us? Yeah. Next. Only one. It was a good only one, Only one with four lyric or with four verses. <laughs> right. You did voices, too. You should yes. be a voiceover artist. He's if a bard. Only. If only. Yeah. Well, no. you know. Next time, uh, you better bring I a hope... mandolin or a, a Vulcan harp. Well, I hope I pass the audition. <laughs> like, Wait, you mean this? <laughs> Bring. <laughs> All right, All you're, right. you're barding in my next party, right? <laughs> it would be my pleasure. So, uh, have a good one, guys, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, next next week. Um, and the penultimate yeah. episode, the no longer the penultimate. <sighs> That's right. Yeah, so many, so many letters the and words. Ultimate pen. Ultimate, the ultimate pen. The ultimate pen. All right. All right. Thanks, Alan. So long. So long, everybody. All right. Sherry. All right, see you next time. Where? where hey. Is it the, is the hey. Titan behind you? It's, uh, it's a Titan. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Sherry, have we talked about Picard yet? I'm sure we have, but I haven't talked <laughs> to you about Picard in a long time, like on the air here. So uh, I'm pretty sure we have. I missed a couple weeks. Um, been been tax season and other stuff going on <laughs> but uh oh, i'm back oh no yeah <laughs> so how are, how are you, how are we feeling about where we're at with picard at the anti penultimate episode um i was i was disappointed with uh Vatic's death i i was kind of hoping for more from her character and so i mean i suppose you know she is a changeling so I mean, I suppose I could have, like, I don't know, collected the bits, but at the same time, they also blew up the ship, so... Yeah, I was like, that feels yeah. difficult after the ship explodes right next to her already I kind of feel like they killed her, and I, I, I find that a little bit disappointing. Uh, you and know... I'm just distracted by the cute animal that is behind Norm. Is that it, a bunny? It's a bunny. <laughs> it is. That's, that's Pippin, that's like one of my rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am a little bit disappointed with Baddock's death, death only from the standpoint of like, I had started to sort of be like, eh, she's not exactly wrong about her position. So I'm kind of sad that she didn't get any sort of resolve to how she was feeling in the way that like her species has been treated mm -hmm. by the Federation. And like, it's fair for her to be upset. So I'm, I, I was hoping that there would be some resolve for her. Yeah. And just kind of like, I would have, I know that there is probably going to be a big reveal with the face guy. Um, and I hope that that's good. Um, is there though? Because did, were you on last week's show? Huh? Did you call in last week? Mm-mm. Okay, so we discovered last week that from he's Alan. The oh, right, he's the weatherman. The weatherman watched the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's a he. So the voice, if you guys weren't watching, didn't watch last week, it's Garth Kemp, who was a very well known weatherman in Los Angeles, and uh, Alan pointed it out. And Champion and I lost our minds. Um, mm -hmm. He's not an actor. He's a weatherman and a, and a voiceover. I started following him on Instagram as well. I went down a rabbit hole. I went down Pippin's rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I I hope that we figure out who and what that is too. But it's not. I it's not. I, I have I, I have trep I mean, I'm trepidatious about it because it's Garth Kemp and he's not an actor. 
he doesn't so necessarily so have to be somebody random. that we know though like it could be maybe an entity that we know like yeah like a paul wraith also a weatherman <laughs> if it is a paul wraith, a, let's just like weather, theorize a that. weather wraith you know well this is the weatherman on riso where he's just like it's 72 and sunny like every day unless unless their weather machine is broken in right. which case it's not yes. <laughs> i know that um, we've also, gone down um, the paw the paw wraith side i just wanted um mm-hmm. to jump in is 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 this just aping too much deep space nine for a tng story you got the changelings you got the dominion you know you i'm fine have, with it. yeah <laughs> But I love Deep Space Nine. (laughs) I mean, maybe somebody didn't like Deep Space Nine, uh, but I really like Deep Space Nine. (laughs) But it's all, I mean, it's all a shared universe. It's just, it seems that they're taking, it's kind of like, well, the Borg are kind of boring, so we might as well take the next best villain in the series. Let's go with the Paw Wraiths. But they also already did Borg. (laughs) We've already done Borg. Well, I, I've heard some fan theories, and I think this might be the case, although I'm not sure how they were, they plan to tie it in. But, um, there, some people think that um, uh, the the secret is that actually um, he's part Borg. Like Picard's oh, son is part Borg. He, because so Picard that Jack is, is secretly, well, I mean not secretly, but still kind of Borg. So is is Jack so, not Picard Jean Luc's son, but he's Lacutus's son? Uh, not exactly, but like maybe like you never really Uh-oh. get rid of those <laughs> mana probes, so. Right. Kind of impregnated by some nanoprobes too. I don't know. <laughs> Borg, Borg swimmers, as we say. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Ah. So <laughs> like the weird. Borg babies in lower decks. That I'll take. I would prefer it be a candle baby. <laughs> it, it, candle it, baby to Borg baby. I'm I'm still on board for candle baby. <laughs> oh my god! Somebody in the chat said that the door is I, to I want like the Scottish man to be behind that door. Do not light the candle. Uh, somebody yep. in the chat said that the door is to that the door is to Beverly's grandmother's house. Yes, mm-hmm. actually, there's a Do not light the voice, candle. So it can't be the man. It's it's like it's Beverly's grandmother being like. Hey, now I'm thinking of the board hey. babies at the end of uh, Lower Decks. The credits. <laughs> Little Jack Crusher in there, pluck him out. It's like, hey, send him off to his mom. Oh my god! You know, I just I don't want the resolve to be a level of secondhand embarrassment in which I have to leave the room. You guys, <laughs> why would it be it embarrassing was... for him to be a Borg? Uh, because we've already done the Borg, and the candle thing just makes me uncomfortable. Like that whole episode, <laughs> Sub Rosa is the. <sighs> I have to leave the room. I can't. I can't watch it. I have to. Uh, I cannot well, watch that. Episode. I don't think it, it's actually going to be the candle. It's more no, likely well... to be the Borg one. <laughs> All right. I well. think in the next two hours, in the next last two hours of, of, of this cast's, you know, series, all I know is that one decision is going to be made that's going to make a lot of fans happy and a lot of fans not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to it's going to be, right? You know, and, and, and peop, some people are going to be trapped in the middle of, yeah, okay, right? I didn't write it, but I'll go with it. But you're going to have a lot of, there's going to be a lot of heels digging into the sand pretty darn hard, probably by next episode, right? But hey, it is what it is. You know, it's like with any series, yeah. As the carney says, you rolls your dice, you takes your chances, right? And hopefully, hopefully it comes up. Uh, mm, your uh, Jane in the chat seems to think that Beverly knows what Jack is. Maybe she was part of an experiment. Right. I don't know. I don't get I don't get the I don't I don't get that from her that she knows and that she's hiding something. Well, maybe she doesn't know the full extent of what happened to him. Like maybe she was part of an experiment, maybe to get. I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate. I don't I don't have the wherewithal for that. Um, But I do know that we have uh, one last caller in the wing. So share if there's one (laughs) last thing you'd like to say before we have to let you go. I just love the wharf moment with wharf Mm -hmm. Indiana. I'm like, if he had been like that right? in the original TNG, their relationship would have made sense. <laughs> that I was love so romantic. I've waited for you like the ways on the other. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, now I get the relationship. 
So I actually wrote this as a very specific note in, in my notes script here. So I said, Worf's reunion, Worf the warrior poet. So Worf's reunion with Deanna, I loved it full stop. I loved how wonderfully awkward it was. I loved how Michael Dorn played it. I loved how Frakes and Marina played it. It may have been my favorite scene in the episode. It was the perfect example of that old trope. I've rehearsed this speech a thousand times if I ever had the chance to see you again. And he did. Yeah. And he killed it. He Well, he killed the guy first, <laughs> then he killed it in the speech. But he was just like, he Cyrano de Bergerac the heck out of that scene. Yeah. Right? And my and theory so is he wasn't awesome. there to save Riker. He was there to save Dan. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. You know? And it, and it also fell into like the 90s trope, like when Will's like, is this part of the torture? Like, haha, because it's like, it's a serious moment, but in that 90s seriousness kind of way, which is kind of like I why I like the way it was handled. It was just, it was light. You know, it doesn't, that's the 90s era of Star Trek. It's serious, but light at the same time, you know, because we haven't gotten to that point in our history, you know, human history of, of 9-11 and entertainment moving forward after that. That's the moment where you know, everything became darker, but I like how they kind of treat it in the, you know, in the vein of the old Star Trek. So anyway, that's yeah. my, that's my take on Worf. I love Worf. This <laughs> he's really, he's, he's living his best life in this, in this series, I think. Um, thanks Sherry. I hope that the next two episodes, the ultimate pen episode, and then the finale <laughs> treat you well, you know, but please call back in Me and too. let us know. Absolutely. Right. We'll do. Have a Thank good night. You. You too. And uh, we have Captain Mike up next. What's up? I haven't seen you in a spell. Hey, you know, I, I've just, I'm enjoying the show so much. I just, I wanted to just get on here and just, just talk about how much I'm enjoying it. If this is what fan service feels like, I feel like I have, I have checked into the five star hotel, uh, that I have always wanted to be, to go to and always read about. Um, it's amazing. I've, you know, we've been with these characters for 36 years, those of us who, you know, have been around that long. And I just to see them around and just to pick up on that that uh wharf moment that you were just talking about that like you said that if i ever see you again this is what i'm going to say this is what you mean to me and have frakes mm-hmm. pr- play that so well <laughs> inappropriate and deanna play it so well deanna 2.0 who has uh got yeah. the marina certus implant which is fantastic yeah. i mean i love yeah. it i mean it's cinematic the music is fantastic i just you know i could go on and on but i just i love the show uh some of my favorite moments are a uh, jordy disconnecting data enough is enough yeah buddy you think enough is enough think? okay yeah yeah. Definitely should have done that earlier. But. Maybe a little too late. Could have done, could have done that earlier. Yeah. Um, we were yucking it up so much in the Earl Green Room. I kind of missed what a lot of people said, so I don't repeat a lot of it. But no, let me let me ask you this though, because we haven't discussed sure. this yet, and uh, Norman and I both had notes on it. The, the observation lounge scene, in terms uh, of fan service. Okay. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I got to be honest. I'm the, sorry. So they're they're it's, around it's the conference the, the table. Came around. Oh, it's fantastic. It, really? Yeah, I liked it. We haven't said it. You know, it did. It seemed like definitely a change of tone from where they were. Like all of a sudden, it was. You know, we're not fighting for our lives anymore. Where where. Uh, reminiscing and and enjoying the company of old friends so and i'm sorry i thought i thought of that more as like a, a conference room not an observation deck I, that's why i uh didn't pick up uh, the observation lounge is always what they called it yeah no i i, I, I defer I yeah it's um so i did really enjoy the scene as far as getting those people together in one room and i think it was the first time they were all together in one room at the same time yes so i think that had to be done um but it was such a change in tone like on a dime that it was a little bit unnerving but i i was still okay with it i mean there's nothing about this show i'm not going to enjoy after 36 years and seeing these folks together um you know i'm just i'm just kind of a sucker for it i I really am um but you know and then it's kind of like okay this part is done um we gave uh you know, we gave the uh, the Shrike everything we've got, which is uh, apparently what five torpedoes now up from the 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 four they had oh, yeah. a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So that was also <laughs> that, was, that was impressive. Seven getting to say "Get off my bridge," Picard style from First Contact. That was kind of some Fantastic. really cool full circle stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I also like how she barked. Uh, it's like she's saying, "My name is Seven of Nine. Yeah, I'm a, the one the one issue that I have with Shaw, and like I've really grown to 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 like Shaw, but the one issue that I have with him is that he 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 dead named Seven three times in this episode. 
Right. Yeah, and I think it's one of those, you know, old Hollywood tools of tell them, tell them again, and then tell them a third, tell them what you told them. Um, so in case yeah. you didn't pick it up the first time or the second time, maybe you picked up the third time. Now you're sharp, sharp enough to pick it up all three times. Uh, but maybe that's the reason why they did it three times so that the general audience, uh, casual viewer, if you will, could pick it up, uh, on the first time. I don't, I don't really know, but you're right. He did do that a bunch and he was trying to force her into it repeatedly over the course of however long they've been serving together. Um, so I just, I I get it. Like we, we discussed this earlier is like, you know, he obviously, it was revealed that, that he was part of Wolf 359 and that whole thing. And obviously Mm -hmm. like he's got some PTSD related to Borg and she's, you know, come, she was Borg and like, so like, I get it, but also like not a great excuse to dead name somebody. If somebody no. says, I please call me seven. That is my name. Don't be that's, a jerk about it. That's pretty much it. You should, you should, uh, you know, abide by their wishes at that time. Um, I wanted to just throw this out there. Um, if anybody got to Yuri's night in LA the other night, uh, which is that celebrates the first flight, Yuri Gagarin. Uh, yep. so they celebrate around April 12th every year. There's one in LA. There's another one on the, on the Gulf Coast at the Kennedy Space Center on the 15th. So tickets are available to the general public, which is kind of a cool event. Um, the Orville was, uh, the Orville, Mission Log, the Orville. Hopefully you've heard of it. Um, I got the, uh, <laughs> Spirit of Yuri Night Award, which recognizes a person or team that embodies the Yuri's Night Mission by using, using music and art to make space cool. Yeah, so I, I thought that was uh, Constantino was there. Uh, Tom was there. Uh, Doug was there. Uh, a bunch of the cast were there. So it was. Uh, it was pretty. I... I, I, I. I'm saying it like I was there. I was not there. I just. Uh, if anybody, uh, you know, next year, I think I'll definitely, definitely. I usually go. I didn't go this year because I was working with a client, but uh, my best friend went. Again, he works for JPL. So like, there's always really cool people there. It's always a really fun time. I'm bummed that I didn't get to go this year. Yeah, it seemed like I Doug def- he was wearing his. Uh... He was wearing his NX-01 uniform, and and rightfully so, but I would have killed to have seen him in like a purple Admiral's uniform or something, right? Yeah, that, from the Orville. Yeah, that would have been the, really awesome. The Union, yeah. And then the the last thing, I don't know if you talked about this before, uh, but the um, the ultimate episode, the series finale, is going to be playing in IMAX theaters um, yep. in L.A., New York, yeah. Phoenix, San Francisco, Seattle, Orlando, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Dallas. Mm-hmm. And if you're in... LA, there's going to be a Q&A following it with, uh, looks like LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, Jerry Ryan, and Michelle Hurd alongside Patrick Stewart. Now, that'll be that'll be uh, live cast to everywhere if you're in a different city, but if you're in LA at whichever IMAX theater they're showing it, I'm not sure which one, then you'll get to participate in that. I literally just saw the Mickey announcement before we came on the air, so I haven't looked at it yet. So, yeah, just just uh just a PSA and and like i said i mean this the production of this show is amazing and uh i think you know season 3 of picard just like season 3 of uh next gen has really grown its beard and hopefully terry metallis and crew can find a way to kind of keep that keep that momentum going and keep bringing us uh strange new shows great new shows It'll be interesting to see what they parlay this kind of like momentum into for, you know, future, future series, you know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see also if there are two episodes left and I'm, and I'm going to say it's less than two hours because we're not getting full 60 minute episodes, right? We're getting like these 49 minute episodes, you know, on streaming. So is there enough time? We'll see, right? Uh, some people will say it's just enough time. Some people will say they mismanaged their time. Some people will say uh, it's overstayed. It's welcome. But I, I think in the end, though, Terry Metalis had a story that he needed to tell, he wanted to tell, and storytellers tell the stories that they want to tell, not what they think that an audience should see, because based off of you know data and uh, you know audience participation and social media influence, you know, come hell or high water, it's going to be ending in two episodes. And I hope it's my hope that everyone or most of the fans out there that have lived a long and and fruitful fandom with these characters since 1987 will get some type of closure for them you know not the closure that was in nemesis certainly not the closure that was in picard seasons one and two but hopefully this series this season will be the one that uh, allows them to exhale afterwards right and not hold on to too much consternation if possible. But we're fans. That's what we do, right? <laughs> um, anyway, thanks, Mike, for calling in. Uh, great to see you. Great to hear from you. 
and uh, time to wrap up the show. And thank you, you both Holly, for having me have, on. Thanks, Mike. Uh, do you have, Holly, do you have one last burning point that you would want to talk about before we move along? I, I don't. Think so. I think we covered. I think we went. Yeah. Oh, I did want to mention uh, my very first, my very first note. I think we went over everything else. Um, Ensign Riggs. <laughs> was she the first, the, the one that first died in the flight? Like, yeah, like, I'm pretty two? sure she's, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's dead. Uh, yeah. She's a friend of mine and, and she did not tell me that she was going to be on the show. She didn't tell me that she was cast. I had no idea. And we've seen her in two episodes now. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's dead though. But yeah, Olivia Younger, she's, like- she's fantastic. And I'm, I'm bummed that she probably, she's probably dead. <laughs> There's a lot of typeless stuff that was going on in this. I mean, you know, Ensign Road, you know, or uh, Michelle Forbes, Tim Russ. I mean, those are huge cameos yeah. you know, that were never talked about, not even hinted at. So, you know, again, in two episodes, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, they might bring out some bigger guns that we haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. We'll see. All right. But until then, um, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for being here on the show. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the Duke of the Earl of the Green of the Room. Be sure to visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. I'm not going to be here next week. Uh, Holly and John are going to be doing the show. So I only have one more show with Holly, and that's going to be the finale in two weeks. So I will see you then. Thanks to everyone who joined us here live or who will join us later. And we look forward to reviewing the penultimate episode of Star Trek Picard with you all next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.